Hello, it's July 30th, 2022, and you're listening to another episode of Dice Dads, the tabletop gaming podcast that focuses on the parent gamer and the challenges that we all face juggling the hobby we love and the responsibilities of work and family. My name is Josh Fry, and with me as always is my co-host Chad Scott. Chad, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you? Pretty good. We just spent some time having to get our audio issues all locked down, and now we're all set and ready to go, and I'm excited about that. And I can hear ready. I can hear your clicking in the background. <laughs> Let me turn it off then. You don't like my clicks? That's all right. It's not that bad. My microphone picks up everything, like you said. I'll just sit here like this. So what should we talk about? Uh, let's take a station break. Station break. Yeah. Okay, we're back. We'll be back till we will be back at six thirty in the morning with cartoons. Love cartoons. I still like watching cartoons. I like watching cartoons as well, although you have to be careful. Some of them are not appropriate for kids anymore. Nope. <laughs> Some of them aren't appropriate for adults, can we? <laughs> so no, what I mean, have... why don't we... Yeah, I was going to say, what have we been up to? What have you been doing? What have I been doing? Uh, I have been doing a lot of things, but I'm happy to say I have gotten to get a few games to the table. Well, that's good. So a couple of weeks ago, I got in my copy of uh, Marvel Dice Masters that I had kickstarted a while back. Hey, everybody. Josh in the editing booth here. For some reason here, I refer to the game that we're talking about as Marvel Dice Masters. I don't know why I did that. It's Marvel Dice Throne we're talking about. Anyway, back to the insanity. I've been looking forward to getting that open. Is that a remake of, like, the old one that was out? It is. Well, it's it's essentially... so. Uh, the game started with several two-player combat packs. You could buy yeah. a, an individual box that had two characters in it, and it was it's kind of a head-to-head. I've heard several people refer to it as a battle Yahtzee game, which is pretty appropriate. You use the Yahtzee mechanics, and your character has different attacks that are set up against the different die rolls that you could possibly make. So you might have an attack that is... You know, a particular set of, of die faces. You might have one that's uh, that does mm-hmm. more damage. There's some attacks that are that are a short straight, and some that are a long straight. And then you have one mm-hmm. mega attack that's Yahtzee. basically rolling, yeah, Yahtzee. So um, the mechanics are very reminiscent to the original game of Yahtzee, but it's packaged up in a fun battle game that's easy to learn. And even if you haven't played Yahtzee, it's still the kind of game where you figure it out pretty quickly. And, and so I had picked up the Season 1 uh, box set, which is like, I think it's six characters in one box, the, the first six characters that they released. And I had picked that up at a, uh, a board game flea market a couple of years ago, I, I think is when I went down to Board Game Geek in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I played that with my son Matthew a few times, and that was a lot of fun. Um, the characters are kind of generic tropes there's a paladin and there's a monk and a pyromancer and things like that so anyway so the the new marvel edition that they put out is basically this it's the same thing but it's with the marvel characters so marvel license right right so uh the uh the big kickstarter box um the season box i guess is the right terminology for that has eight different characters in it and uh and you know they they play very reminiscent to any of the other dice throne experiences you might have had but 
but with the Marvel spin on it. And they've added some... Uh, I haven't played all the characters by any means, but um, in looking at them, I can see where they've added some new uh, approaches to the mechanics and have added some some additional you know twists to the rules that, that weren't there previously just to give people who are looking for something new out of that experience to uh, try something a little bit different. So that was pretty interesting. We broke that out last week and uh, played several games with, um, I think we started with, Spy- uh, it's, it's uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man is the Spider-Man that is in the box. And then uh, we started with, with him and with Captain Marvel and played several games of that. And that was a lot of fun. And then uh, they were two of the easier characters. They all have a complexity rating, so you can kind of get a sense for what you're getting into. And then after we played those several times and got comfortable with them, we moved up to Loki and Black Widow, which were more, uh, or they were higher on the complexity rating um, because they have some twist to the things that they do it's it's less of a uh, direct punch the other guy in the face approach and and more of a uh you're you're building for your subsequent turns you know like um black widow's abilities or that she's trying to get all of her combat abilities juiced up as quickly as possible and then she throws little time bombs at the other person that over the course of two rounds count down and then explode so it's kind of interesting but cool. had a good time with that one. It's a lot of fun, and particularly if you're interested with with the uh, Marvel license, that uh, does not disappoint. So that has been a fun one to get to the table. That's cool. Yeah, the Marvel, you know, theme goes a long way a lot of time, and Marvel's always a pretty good one. Yeah, I'm excited to see. In my they, opinion. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see what they they do moving forward with that. I would assume that the eight characters that they released with the season box is probably not the last um, no. characters we'll see in that. I know, you know, they've continued to steadily release other, other things for the game that are, that were outside the Marvel IP before they did that. So I'm guessing uh, they will continue to do so, but I'd be real surprised if they didn't tack on a few more Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. And I know just here recently they ran another Kickstarter uh, around about the time that they probably got the last of those uh, campaign boxes out and fulfilled, uh, they opened up a new campaign uh, that's going to fulfill around the holidays, and it was Santa versus Krampus in a combat box. All right. Yeah, so you have the opportunity to have Santa beat up on the other christmas icon <laughs> what's santa do spread good cheer and... and well i've so i was looking a little bit at their campaign and and noticed that they had um the some of the cards out there and they i'm trying to remember what the names of some of them were but they had used things like christmas cheer that he was you know mm-hmm. doling out on the other guy and and uh there were some sad toys and stuff <laughs> that mm-hmm. they were getting thrown around at each other. They were making liberal use of Christmas iconography, mm-hmm. but uh, umpsicle and whatever. Right, it looked uh, fun, pretty excellent. Fun, fun, fun. We don't really celebrate the Krampus in our house. Yeah, he's not really anything that uh, that we really had growing up. That's kind of a recent thing that we became aware of. Is as he kind of entered popular culture within the last five or six years, right? Mm-hmm. Been around forever, but not not here. 
Yeah, it's more of a German thing. So yeah, Santa's abilities include things like trim your tree and fireside chat and naughty or nice. And the Krampus's abilities are things like scavenge and bad tidings and spoils. So that's fun. Spoils? Yeah, it has some sad looking toys that look like they're tearing open presents. Mm. I don't know. That one did see. Santa and Krampus didn't really draw me in. I'd rather have superheroes or something. Right. Well, it's definitely trying to take advantage of the fact that they're going to drop it in December of this year. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, according to their estimated delivery, they're looking to take advantage of the Christmas season. And uh, so they are putting this out as a relatively inexpensive yeah. next, next project. So that'll be interesting to see how that does. Okay. There's also a Dice Throne Adventures uh expansion i guess you would call it uh it's another boxed set game that allows you to play the characters from all the previous games and the subsequent ones for that matter in more of a kind of a campaign style approach where rather than it just being one head-to-head one versus one combat you play through several enemies and then have to fight a big boss at the end um that's kind of interesting that they added that just to give you more of a an experience that's not just the the one-off combat between two players. Uh, I haven't had a chance to try that one out yet, but it looks interesting. Cool, cool. What else you got? Well, you played uh, the boat game with me. The bug game? Boat. Boat game. Oh, yeah, the boat game. Oh, yeah, that's right. We played the game in Namiji with Douglas, didn't we? Yep. I pretty much dominated, so I feel like I'm pro. <laughs> you were very pro at that game. Uh, so Namiji is the successor to the game Takedo, which is the more well-known. I'd never heard of Namiji until we sat down to play it. Same here. Douglas had talked about it a few times with me, but yeah, I, I, I never really followed up on it till till he brought it that night. So in Namiji, you are what Japanese fishing boats, uh, and you um, move around, making decisions as to what you're gonna fish for, collecting different types of fish, and capturing opportunities to improve your equipment. Well, from what I remember, you have the, you know, you're going through the timeline, essentially, which I think you're going to travel around the, the islands or the archipelago or whatever the correct term is. But you're going down that timeline and you're collecting panoramas is one way to get points by taking pictures of whales and octopus and dolphins. Mm-hmm. You can visit the magic rocks and get uh, skill ups. And then you had the little paper goat, not goats, boats. <laughs> I don't remember goats in that game. (laughs) Especially paper ones. (laughs) Yeah, you could launch the small paper boats in Remembrance, and that was a way to uh, get rid of negative points that you started the game with. So it was kind of an interesting... There were several different ways to get points Points. collected in the game, and ultimately that's what you were trying to do, is be the person with the highest total point value at the end of the game. 
points. And there was crawfish gambling. You could gamble on crawfish. Oh, that's right, which was kind of had a, uh, a pressure, luck. pressure luck mm-hmm. mechanic where uh, you could continue trying to capture them, but you would strike out if you went too far. N- never managed to capture anything. I always, uh, I always went fished too far out. and fished out. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting game. There was a, it was certainly an interesting theme, not one I necessarily would have picked up on purpose or gotten super excited about. But once we started playing it, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, graphic design to the game is really different. It's uh, again much like Takedo, takes a lot of its cues graphically from uh, that game. But um, it was a very interesting experience, and I would definitely play that one again. I think if if we had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. This is a fun game. Well, we'll do another game night, and maybe Douglas will bring it again. I think the other games I played in our was just with my with my son. We played Yeti and My Spaghetti, which is a <laughs> classic. I, now I don't know Yeti and My Spaghetti. You're gonna have to tell you me. No, Yeti Spaghetti. It's it's a I guess a dexterity game is what you call it, where you put uh, you got a, a bowl and you put a bunch of sticks of spaghetti, you lay them across the bowl. And then you put a little plastic Yeti on it and uh, you take turns pulling out spaghetti until the Yeti falls into the bowl. So if you're the one who pulls this, the, the noodle that makes the Yeti fall in, you, you lose. That sounds vaguely reminiscent of the old Kerplunk game. Am I right? Yeah. Same type of thing. You got, uh, cause yeah, Kerplunk was sticks with a marble or something, right? Yeah. There was a set of a, a number of marbles you had on top of the interweaving of sticks that went through mm-hmm. the cylinder. I, if I remember right is what it was. And then yep. as you pulled the sticks out, the, the gaps between the sticks got bigger and you were trying to avoid having the marbles run through and fall to the bottom of the cylinder. Mm-hmm. Same type thing. Ex- except with more Yetis, it sounds like. Yep. And spaghetti. So we did that. And then we, he wanted to play Battleship, so we played Battleship too. Uh-huh. Just uh, classic Battleship, or did you play one of the many different IP Battleships that I know no. at uh, Target and Walmart? Nope. Old school Battleship. We didn't even play. What? There's some newer ones that are, they got some new rules and they sound kind of cool, but I never got them. Hmm. I think they're like Battleship Galaxies or something. There's uh, something in space. Oh yeah, there's a uh, there is a version that I have seen called Battleship Galaxies. I don't really know anything about it in terms of what makes it different, but it def- it does have a space theme to it. Um, right, it's got a space theme, and I believe you can when you do hits, it like targets part of the ship. You know, like you hit the the, the hull or one of the sides or something, and it has certain effects. But I don't. I'd like to say, I've never played. I don't know anybody that has it, so I don't know everything about it. I'm totally wounded here. I could be way off. So don't don't roast me, bro. <laughs> yeah, looking at Board Game Geek, it says that uh, Battleship Galaxies was published in 2011, and uh, it is a space combat miniatures game that is a distant cousin to the original Battleship game, where two opposing forces, the human intergalactic space navy and the alien Retcher... Retcher... Retroidians 
are represented by 20 starship miniatures. These are figures for several different ship types, and each has an individual reference card that defines the characteristics of its weapons, movement, shields, etc. The game is scenario-driven, and each scenario defines the goal of the game as well as the initial setup on the hex board. Yeah, it sounded interesting. I just, like I said, I just never had the opportunity to check it out. So it sounds like they took the basic concept of tracking your hits on the ships with pegs and expanded the game itself to be a little more than the stationary uh, map that you start with. This looks like it has more of a hex board to it where you can, I guess, move your ships around from the looks of things. Uh, the minis certainly aren't bolted down, so uh, it would seem that you potentially get to move them around. And there's no... The board is is common knowledge amongst the players. There's no separation, so... There must be some other approach to how you attack the uh, other player's ships because it would seem like you know exactly where they are if you can see the board. Yeah, with your play, if you're playing with my son on Battleship, he knows exactly where your stuff is anyways because <laughs> he's peeking around the corner. He so likes, it doesn't he, matter. He likes to make sure that he has perfect knowledge of your map, does he? Absolutely. That's excellent. <laughs> yep. Well, when I took uh, my family to Walt Disney World uh, several years ago, while we were there, I was uh, trying to to decide what uh, I wanted to get myself as a uh, souvenir. The kids, of course, found 30 different things that they all wanted to take home, but uh, I hadn't found anything for myself until I began to notice that there were several um, rethemed classic games in some of the in some of the shops that were uh, Disney themed. Um, and, uh, you know, I had run across several uh, that I had seen and, and different stores seemed to have, have different copy or different uh, uh, titles. But uh, when we were over in the Pirates of the Caribbean area in their gift shop, they had a battleship that was Pirates of the Caribbean themed. Um, and I guess that's not commonly available outside of uh, getting them in the, the, the park gift shop. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Solution there. I think you can order them online, but you have to order it through the through the park, the way that you through do it. Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went ahead and picked that up. I'm not a, I don't have a huge love for Battleship necessarily, but I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it. And it looked like they had also punched up the original concept of Battleship. It looked like there was some extra concepts to the rules beyond just the the classic game there but i haven't had a chance to play it yet it's uh sat on my shelf since we brought it home and uh i haven't had an opportunity to bust it open yet yeah other than that i forgot he really got into um forbidden island for a little while ah forbidden island all right so we played that one a few times he was into it and tried to teach it to mom but he enjoyed that one now that's a great one because you can teach it to somebody very easily since it's a cooperative game. You can just kind of have everybody mm-hmm. jump in. And as long as some, as long as at least one player has played it before and knows what's going on, you can kind of teach it as you go, which is kind of, kind of a, a bonus to that. Right. Now, how successful were you at playing Forbidden Island? Cause I know my uh, win loss ratio on that is uh, far more losses than wins. <laughs> I think we're three, you know, <laughs> really? Yeah, we didn't last year. We got really close once to to getting, I guess, drowned. Sure. But uh, um, it, it was like if we if we didn't win this turn, we would have we wouldn't have made it. Yeah. And we 
We we did, we made it just by that last turn. I mean, we obviously we started on the easy level. We we slowly moved it up, but sure. um, but yeah, we've made it every time so far. But you know, as we move it up, it's going to get harder and harder, and it's going to bite us here eventually. Yeah, that's proof that it was a fairly well-designed cooperative game that every time I have played it, I've also had that experience that we just eked it out at the last minute that, mm-hmm. that they're really, unless you're playing it wrong, there's not likely to be an op, uh, uh, an outcome where you just run away with the game. It always seems like you're on the verge of losing and you narrowly grab a hold of the win at the last minute, which, you know, makes it more exciting, I think. So, Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it depends on how the cards fall. If the islands where your where the uh, the stuff is are the ones that are drowning, you know what I'm saying? Where the the, right. the artifacts or whatever, you know, yeah. the the lion idol, you know, if those are going down fast, or or heaven forbid the launch pad, because you have to have that at the end of the game, right? If that's the first one to sink, okay, well the game is over right out of the, out of the shoot. That's what happened the first time I played it. Was the <laughs> the helicopter pad uh, was one of the first um, yeah. locations to get sunk, and and so it made it super difficult to. Right. Yep. Yeah. So some of it is luck of the draw, but um, and we were fortunate enough that the you know those those islands would come up, but they were further down in the deck, which helped us out a lot. There's definitely a lot of um, variability in terms of how quickly the game ratchets up based on the the order that exists in the stack of sections yep and of course he's got his favorite uh uh, what is a profession you know he always wants to be the helicopter pilot that way he can go wherever he wants right yeah it was nice to be the pilot because you could jump around from tile to tile yep so a while back i picked up the the thematic sequel to that game forbidden desert uh, which is similar. You're not drowning, obviously, because you're in the desert. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet, and I hear that uh, each game in that series, there's uh, Forbidden Island, and then Forbidden Desert, and then Forbidden Sky is the third one. And uh, I've heard several people comment that uh, they get more difficult uh, as you go, and so... They kind of have a similar approach mechanics-wise, but each game gets a, a little little tougher to beat. So uh, I'm curious to see if that's true. So in Forbidden Desert, uh, you are adventurers who are trying to survive the blistering heat and the blustering sand in order to recover a legendary flying machine buried under an ancient desert city. Uh, it has cooperative gameplay similar to Forbidden Island, but a fresh new, but is a fresh new game based around an innovative set of mechanisms, such as an ever-shifting board, individual resource management, and an and a unique method of locating the flying machine parts. So that would it's definitely that would be interesting if the sections moved around. That's not something that happens in Forbidden Island. Forbidden Forbidden Sky, from the looks of the box cover, I haven't seen anything more than that on that one, but it appears to have something to do with a a floating city of some kind. So it's kind of an interesting interesting theme. Cool beans. I was thinking about making him play... uh... Oh, is it Heroes of the Multiverse next or something like that? See how he does with that one. 
Sentinels of the Multiverse. Sentinels of the Multiverse. Yeah, Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, oh, I I think he would like that very much. Um, I have I have not played that with any of my children yet, uh, but I've gotten that out several times with some of our friends who play board games, and uh, it plays really easily. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly a lot of different approaches with the different characters um and the and the the different decks that uh, go along with them i have several boxes of that and have played it several times and haven't even scratched the surface on uh, the different uh combinations that you can put together for that mm-hmm. i've just got the basic one but still there's plenty in there to play for sure but we may have to give that one a try before too long see if he's into it yeah now that's another one that's nice because it's a cooperative game so you don't have to feel like you're necessarily trying to uh, right outdo each other you can kind of work together to beat the whatever the villain character is mm-hmm. I, I tend to prefer the co-op games they're more fun i had him play uh pandemic with me once upon a time you know when the whole covid thing hit we <laughs> had to play pandemic just like everybody else right sure pandemic was a little hard to find there for a while in stores because of that reason i think uh everybody was going out and checking out this game that was uh that had to have been created based on recent events right N- you know never mind that it was <laughs> right. published several years before that and, right uh, 10 years ago or whatever it was i don't know did not yeah. uh, have anything necessarily to do with covid but yeah it got really popular there for a while in fact i remember seeing a at the at the height of the shutdown when everybody was uh trying to figure out how long that was going to last i saw a uh, news story where they were uh, interviewing Matt Leacock, the designer of uh, of the game, and they were kind of asking him what his what his design approach was to it, and you could tell that they were looking for him to say, "Oh, well, with this oncoming COVID thing, I you know put this game together," and that's really not how that uh, that's not the genesis <laughs> for that game, right? It's just that it didn't no. didn't have uh, mass visibility up until all that happened. So mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of funny. Yeah, I remember we played. I think we were one and one. We had one where it just went, you know, it spirals out of control. And the oh, other yeah, one, we were just sure. able to stay on top of it and got got everything taken care of. But <laughs> now that's I was another... a hard time with that game. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a very challenging game. And it's. A, I was just going to say, that's another one, much like Forbidden Island, where there are the characters that you play in the game have different unique player powers. And there are a few that are a lot more useful than others that you're almost... Uh, mm-hmm. It's almost detrimental to your success if you don't play with some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the medic, and that's the, the one he liked to play. Medic, yeah, right. So he was the medic, and I told him, okay, fine, you just go around, you clean up cubes, that's your job. <laughs> right. I'll take care of everything else. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like if you didn't have the medic, at the very least, uh, amongst the players that you played with, or the characters, rather, that you played with, it made it a lot harder. Uh-huh. Yeah, the one that uh, I forgot the class, the yeah job class, whatever, where you can send cards around to other people real easy, because you know it's a lot of, you got to get four, you know, yellow ones to, to cure a disease, right, or whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, you have to get sets of cards to be able to yeah. cure a disease. So you're trying to work your way around to different cities and collect those cards, and then. Um, at some point, it becomes a challenge of hand management where you're trying to get all the ones that everybody has amongst themselves into one 
into one mm-hmm. city, right? So that someone can process that into a vaccine. And uh, and yeah, you're right. There's there's uh, again a character that does that better than the other characters. That's handy to have amongst the people that are playing. I have a copy of uh, the one of the spinoff, the mini spinoff games that they did for that. That's uh, the uh, Reign of Cthulhu, I believe it's called, <laughs> and it's it's a pandemic with the H.P. Lovecraft Cthulhu theme on top of it, where you have different gates to the dimension where the old ones live that are opening up and you're trying to move around and stomp them down just like the uh the viruses in the, like the virus pandemic game uh, mm-hmm. i have heard that that one is particularly difficult um i'm not sure what it adds <laughs> to the rules but given that it's a cthulhu game that doesn't surprise me most of them uh, don't try to make it easy for you as a mere human to beat the uh the great old ones at the no. game. No, I was just going to say, they want our overlord to win, and they want to prepare you for that day. <laughs> That's all it is. It's, it's training. That's right. I'm kind of a sucker when it comes to uh, Cthulhu games. I own several that I have not played, simply because I couldn't say no when I saw to come along. So I have to give that a try one of these days. Do you have the Arkham Horrors? I do have... I have the second edition of... Uh, Arkham Horror, and I think I have one of the expansions, and that one had a lot of expansions. Um, have so you played I, them? I certainly uh, don't claim to have the the bulk of that, but uh, I have played the base game, and it was it's fun. But it's a uh, you have to settle in with the right group of people. It's kind of an all afternoon experience. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a few hours. <laughs> and much like a lot of cooperative games, if you're kind of goofing around and not paying attention to what you're doing, it's really easy for the the evil to get the better of you and run off with the game so well then i probably shouldn't play (laughs) that was my experience was that about the time we all collectively figured out what we were supposed to be doing we were uh about ready to get wiped off the map by the by the minions of cthulhu so it's definitely a little unforgiving there's also a um a game that has come out since that is um called eldritch horror and it takes the basic premise of Arkham Horror and reduces it down to a slightly more streamlined approach. And I have not had a chance to play that one yet, but I hear good things about it uh, because it, it kind of gives you the same general feeling of Arkham Horror, but uh, in in a much shorter amount of time. And, and, and it allows you to put boundaries around the game so that it doesn't get too long. Mm-hmm. So that one seems interesting. I also, not long ago, just picked up, and this is You'll notice there's a running theme here. I keep mentioning games that I have picked up. Uh, this is where we talk about my uh, acquisition disorder that I have. Um, yep, junkie. Uh, board game junkie. Uh, I need to probably be going to meetings at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. I picked up not long ago the recently released Cthulhu game Unfathomable, which is a reinvention of the game Battlestar Galactica with a Cthulhu theme. Interesting. Did you ever play Battlestar Galactica? I did. In fact, I still have the base game, which is pretty hard to find nowadays. Um, yeah, imagine. I never got it. I played it, but I never, yeah, I never got the game. The uh, the base game itself and the expansions go for quite a bit because there's a following out there that uh, is much bigger than the number of copies that physically exist <laughs> out there. And um, the publisher had long ago lost the rights to um 
continue publishing for Battlestar Galactica because that was a an agreement they had through the Sci-Fi Channel when it was part of Sci-Fi Channel, and um, and so that one has long been out of print. But uh, you know, the game itself has you as characters on on the the Battlestar Galactica and. Uh, one or more of the characters, or one or more of the players, I should say, around the table are actually Cylons in disguise. And so the, the crux of the game is trying to figure out who's working against the group as you face, uh, you know, challenges that you mutually apply your effort and your resources to. And so as a human, for example, you're, you know, trying to legitimately work through those challenges, whereas if you happen to be a Cylon, you are... Uh, occasionally trying to deep-six the efforts of the group because you're trying to get them to fail uh, so that the Cylons ultimately win. But anyway, Unfathomable is um, Fantasy Flight's new approach to that same game, uh, and it puts you uh, in the, I believe, 1920s is the time frame, as is most Cthulhu stories. And um, you are on a luxury liner, uh, very much like the Titanic that is... Uh, bound for port but is out in the middle of the ocean and the uh the deep ones which are the marine based uh cthulhu entities that are in some of the original lovecraft stories are um attempting to clamor onto the ship and take it over and so uh when you start the game some of you're, you're all um passengers aboard this luxury liner and some people are legitimately passengers and some people are actually human deep one hybrids who are actually trying to uh, scuttle the efforts of the uh, group as it tries to keep the ship afloat and and bound for port uh, Mm -hmm. and is trying to um, bring about the the rise of the deep ones from the ocean bottom and you know that would of course spell disaster for everybody so i thought it was interesting that they uh, took that new thematic approach to a game that obviously has continued to be very popular even though it's been long out of print um if for no other mm-hmm. reason then you know that gives people the opportunity to essentially play that game again uh even if the theme is a little bit different uh and at this point you know battlestar galactica is probably not the richest of ips out there <laughs> since that show hasn't been on for a while but but uh uh, I'm curious to to get a group of people together and try that one out. Uh, one more I can think of that we played was over at your house. We played Dark Tower Two. The Return to Dark Tower. Oh. So Return to Dark Tower is the invention of Restoration Games, and it was uh, it was their project to re- sort of reinvent the original Dark Tower game from the 1980s and give it a fresh new spin and more of a modern day game approach to it. And I had the opportunity to pick that one up and, and yeah, we had played it a while back. What were your thoughts on that? Well, the original game was not a very good game. It was just <laughs> cool as a kid because it was a neat toy, but the game was pretty, pretty crap. Let's be honest. Yeah. As, as uh, games in the night, as board games in the 1980s goes, it had a, a big, it was flashy. It had had a, had a flashy toy effect to it, yes. But the game itself was pretty straightforward, and there wasn't a whole lot of player agency to it. You just kind of pushed buttons and waited yep. for it to tell you how many soldiers you lost, and or warriors, I guess they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of strategy to the game other than trying to amass enough warriors to uh, be able to continue forward. 
Yep, yep. But now the new one was uh, obviously way better. The tower was still just kind of a flashy piece. I didn't feel like it was, it didn't add a whole lot, but you were mostly just playing the app, you know, because you, you, you loaded up on your iPad and you're just playing along with the app as you move around the board. Yeah, and the app actually maintains the progression of the players through the game so that at the end of every, everybody's turn, we had to drop a skull in the top of the tower, right? And that told the system, it told the tower, yep. which then is Bluetooth connected to the uh, to the app that that player was you know, done with their turn. So it allows the game to have a sense of progression from player to player, and it would throw events at you between the uh, player's turns and progressively add more corruption to the kingdoms that surround the, the tower so that if you didn't stay diligent in keeping all of that cleaned up, it was real easy for it to build to the point where it got the better of you. That was definitely an interesting addition to that game that made it more of a complex game, although it's certainly not a complex game on its own. Uh, it added some strategic elements to it that I, I thought were an interesting addition, for sure. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. We had a chance to uh, break that out. Um, my son Matthew and I uh, played that uh, with our our friend Chris was over, um, and the three of us played that over here. And uh, we also barely squeaked by in uh, in beating the bad guy at the end of that one, but it was... Uh, and that made for a an exciting experience that we just barely squeaked out of the end of the game. I don't recall if the game that you and I played, if we won that one or lost it. We won, but I think we cheated. <laughs> That's right. I think we got down to the very end and then something happened and we would have lost if we had stuck to the, the letter of the law. But we let that. Right. I think I traded continued. more. Like I traded more cards than I should or something like. Right. Right. I'm remembering that now. Could be, yeah. I, I don't think we, I think we cheated a little without knowing, you know, but, but yeah, and, if we hadn't, we probably would have got squished. And now I have the expansion to that one, uh, alliances that adds several new elements that we haven't touched yet. I'm curious to crack that out and see what that does to change the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it adds a, it, it adds at least one more, uh, resource element in addition to the spirit and the warriors that you're collecting. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays into the the overall gameplay. I also saw, uh, just as of last week, that uh, Restoration Games started a crowdfunding campaign out on the new BackerKit platform. BackerKit has long been a pledge manager solution uh, for other crowdfunding campaigns that have been done on Kickstarter and uh and have come into their own by creating um, a crowdfunding platform of their own, which I'm sure is meant to offer developers the opportunity to crowdfund somewhere other than Kickstarter. Um, right. And uh, just in the in some of the information I read about that, um, the longstanding relationship that Restoration Games has had with uh, BackerKit as... Um, in using them as their pledge management solution for their previous campaigns, they opted to do this new campaign for uh, Return to Dark Tower on the new BackerKit platform. And Hmm. so I was looking at that uh, just the other day, and they have released the original game again because it uh, has been very hard to come by since the original uh, Kickstarter campaign. And so for those folks out there that want to 
that missed the first Kickstarter campaign and would like the opportunity to get the original game and its expansions um, and things like the uh, the fancy printed game mat and things of that nature that uh, you can't necessarily buy at retail. This gives them the chance to get that again, but principally the uh, new campaign is centered around another expansion box that adds four more characters and then presumably a dearth of new villains to fight and monsters and things of that nature just to give you, you know, more to... Uh, some more flavor. Right, yeah. more to cycle into the game to give you uh, some fresh new opportunities if maybe you, you know... I can't imagine anybody has played that game enough times that they've cycled through all the different variability between the monsters and the quests and the, the, the yeah. uh, bosses and everything else that uh, that the original game had in it. But certainly if you're uh, starting to work your way through that and, and needing uh, a fresh new take on it, it looks like this new expansion uh, out on Backer Kit uh, may offer that for the game. So that should be interesting to see see where that goes. Mm-hmm. So that about wraps up what we, what we have been playing recently. Uh, I appreciate your time today, Chad, talking about some games that we've played, and I look forward to getting some new ones to the game table with you soon. Yep, I'll be doing another gaming night uh, up at the store this month. Excellent. Well, I look forward to that. Hopefully we'll uh, be able to start building up a a group of of, uh, players who are excited to come out regularly, and we can... uh, add that to our repertoire of opportunities to get some games to the table. Right, because my son would rather play Fortnite. (laughs) All sons would rather play Fortnite. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well that wraps up this episode of Dice Dads. We'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast, and we hope you'll come back for more soon. You can connect with us by emailing us at dicedads at salamandergames.com you can also find us at Twitter and Facebook at Dice Dads, and you can find us on the interwebs at www.dicedads.com. Our Board Game Geek Guild is number 3395, and we invite you to come join in deeper discussions about the topics found on the podcast and all sorts of other things. Chad, do you have any final thoughts for everybody out there? Final thoughts? Um, man, I was so unprepared for this. You're just throwing it on me all, <laughs> all of a sudden, you know? Um, I mean, right now it's all about um, stay healthy, stay safe. Watch out for monkeypox and all that good stuff that's floating around right now. So that would be my advice. Stay healthy, stay safe. Well said. All right. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night. say dice throne or did i say dice masters at the beginning of this i'm hoping i didn't say the wrong one i think you said dice masters i think i did too an idiot well that's what i was thinking because that's the old bag one where you bought uh, you got six dice and a couple cards or something right yeah
re-record the start of that because I'm pretty sure I did say the wrong thing. I'm pretty sure you said Masters. What a dumbass. It's all right. It's nine. It's almost bedtime <clears throat> for old people. For young'uns like you, you stay up all night. Mm, not anymore, I don't. <laughs>